Kanji Cast, the podcast that you never made a deal with. We're also the show that didn't make the castle run in 12 parsecs, even if you round down. But we do provide an Asian perspective into the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Bria, and with me are my co-hosts, Brian and Jay. Hello. Hello. On today's episode, we're going to be talking all about Star Wars Celebration Chicago that happened last month. And guess what, guys? Because Jay was the one who got the press pass for it. He gets to lead the discussion. So everyone, get excited. It's a Jay episode. Hooray! I am so excited. If only you could see me right now. This is as close as we're... face on. This is as close as we're ever getting to a bottle episode, isn't it? Probably. Should we have all worn fancy gloves for this episode, Jay? I mean, I'm really shocked that you aren't. We might have to just can the whole episode at this point and have have us reconvene when we're appropriately dressed. Well, damn it. I'm keeping my pajamas on. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> at least it's an audio-only podcast. I am sorry. No one can make me podcast in pants. All right. Well, I guess we should uh, get get ourselves started. It's kind of hard to believe that Celebration was just a month ago. Like, it feels like it's been absolute ages, but maybe that's because we had a couple of conventions in a row. At least here in D.C., we just had Awesome Con, and then, you know, May the 5th, May the 4th, and the 5th, and all that associated Star Wars-ness. But uh, how are we all doing? Star Wars out yet? I just want a nap. I, I want a nap, but for reasons unrelated to cons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. Well... Let's go ahead and jump in, Uh, but before we do, we have our uh, usual news segment, and then there's this, starting with some fresh news from yesterday. Uh, Netflix secretly or stealthily dropped the Chinese sci-fi blockbuster, The Wandering Earth, which is apparently the second highest grossing movie in China right now. Um, I did not hear anything about it until hearing about it on Twitter yesterday, and I'm kind of curious to check it out. Have you guys heard anything about it? I had not, so yeah, I'm very curious about this. Yeah, apparently it's really good. Uh, and I guess it wasn't on any of the usual coming to Netflix next month lists. So that's why no one seemed to get it. But I was told that over in Europe that apparently they were way less stealthy about putting it on Netflix. But I don't know. Either way, I need to add it to my list. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to check it out. Just seeing genre films in general from around the world is, is going to be very interesting because I want to see what people do with it outside you know the usual hollywood or usual british filmmaking stuff uh next item on our agenda uh lucy Liu got a star on the hollywood walk of fame on may 1st Hooray. pretty exciting yay was it i feel like i saw something about how she's one of the first few asian women so. to get one i think so there aren't there aren't many for sure Um, we also have news that Michelle Yeoh has been cast in the Avatar sequels as scientist Dr. Dr. Karina Moog, which, you know, since there are like four more sequels, that hopefully means she'll be around for a lot more movies. I always forget there's going to be four of them. Yeah, Disney just announced their movie list of films for the next several years, and the very last film on the list is like, Avatar 5 for like 2027, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's very bizarre to me that we're going to be alternating Star Wars and Avatar. They feel like they're not on the same operating level. I that still don't sense. know who these films are for. I mean, I know Avatar has its fans and I'm not like trying to put any shade on them. It just I'd never expected an Avatar cinematic universe, I guess. Is it really a cinematic universe, though? Just I mean, a series, right? Yeah, I suppose so. It's not; a, it doesn't have spinoffs or anything like that yet. Yet, just a cool theme park ride. A really, really cool out. theme park ride. My favorite thing is still having gone on that for the first time with with you, Brian and Nancy, and you seeing all of us just cry. We got off of it because of how cool it was. I really need to experience that. Oh, Jay, I can't wait for you to go on that ride. You may actually smile. It's a distinct well, possibility. We all know there's only one thing at Disney that can make me smile. Meet and greet with Elsa. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't we'll, know. We'll just have to see. <laughs> uh, 
And apparently a trailer, uh, the next news item, a trailer has dropped for The Farewell, starring Aquafina and from writer-director Lulu Wang. Uh, the description is that a Chinese family discovers that their beloved grandmother has only a short time left to live. And instead of telling her, they whip up an impromptu wedding to gather the family together before she passes. Oh, that's really sad and touching. Yeah, I uh, the trailer looks really neat, and I love seeing. I love that we're getting more films from Asian creators. That just makes me happy. I guess they seem to have learned the correct lesson from Crazy Rich Asians. Good. It's a good thing. Diversity in front of and behind the camera. Yes. And of course, the tugging of the heartstrings as well. Yeah, and it's a Aquafina movie, so I assume it will be somewhat funny. At the very least. Hopefully. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll just sound very, very heavy. Um, All right. So are we ready to move on for our main event? Sure. All right. So let's get started about Star Wars Celebration Chicago, or at least the connection between Asians, Asian Pacific Islanders, and what we learned and experienced at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And we can't talk about Celebration Chicago without talking and leading with the Episode Nine panel. Uh I think the biggest and coolest moment among many cool moments um, related to our podcast was the amazing standing ovation that Kelly Marie Tran got, especially after all the shit she was uh, taking online and, you know, the having to leave Instagram and just all the related abuse. The fact that she got such a warm welcome at Celebration uh, was really, really touching. Yeah, I think she got a really, really good one, too, when she came by the Star Wars show stage as well. Uh, I wasn't there for it, but oh, man. If if there's one thing that I think Star Wars fans do right is when actors take unnecessary crap from fandom, we appreciate them at Celebration. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that we really embraced uh, you know, her and we, of course, em- embraced Ahmed Best and just it almost felt like it was a repudiation of at least the past year and, you know, including the Phantom Menace past 20 years of negativity and vitriol that's all over the Star Wars fandom. Almost like a statement of this is not who we are. Um, but, you know, what what do we think about that? Especially since obviously some of this did come from Star Wars fans, too. Oh, boy. I was Brian. <laughs> I was lucky enough to be in the arena for the nine panel, and it was something else to see the show essentially halt for a standing ovation for Kelly Marie Tran. And that was just a sign of a fan base that's plugged in and knows what she was subjected to wasn't okay. And in one loud voice, uh, just everyone telling her that she was, she's loved and welcomed in star Wars. And I really hope that we can sort of get that feeling, get that message and sort of keep it going because celebration is, you know, it's always sort of a warm and magical experience. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of reminds us of the, the kind of work we have to do to make sure that our fandom experiences and the way we treat each other are sort of reflected um, in our day to day behavior too, not just when we're in a con celebrating together. Yeah, because I don't actually think it's entirely correct to say this is not who we are. Because obviously it's not who any of the three of us are, but there was a loud enough group of people in the Star Wars fandom who did that. And it's sort of like, you know, the the really mean racist uncle. You can say he's not a part of your family, but he's still there at the family gathering sometimes. And he's still there when you're making, when you're saying things. So... I'm trying to phrase I, I think that metaphor got away from me. I but, mean it's kinda of, kinda of like the idea of like if we sort of sit by and, and let it happen, you know, it's it, we're not really helping things, right? Yeah, it's like it's like yes, it should not be who what Star Wars fandom is is and it's very heartening to see people like Kelly get such good good reactions. But I think it's in uh it's not correct for us to say to act like it doesn't happen. Because unfortunately, it does. And the best thing we can do is keep speaking out against it until hopefully it genuinely, truly does go away. I think what gives me hope is that in that moment, it was kind of fandom owning what was going on. 
and kind of clapping back against it. So, yeah, uh, we, we've got some pretty shitty people in our fandom, uh, that, uh, are not great. But, uh, that moment, at least my, my little takeaway was, uh, there's a lot of people in this fandom who are willing to push back against that. Yeah, which is good. 100% good. Yeah, and also not not just push back, but, you know, give sort of a, a welcoming embrace to someone who was already hurt really badly by it, despite being, you know, a brand new member of, you know, the official Star Wars actor family. It just, it, you know, we, we got such a great new actor in Kelly Mary Tran that it was just awful what happened to her, and I'm... I'm hoping that uh, this was an encouraging experience for her. Yeah, agreed. Do we have uh, any other thoughts in Episode 9 in general? Because, um, you know, we, we, we can talk about the, the, event, the main event itself. Do we have any ideas or thoughts about Poe, Finn, or Naomi Aki's new character, Janna? Anything of that nature? Holy crap. Uh, that costume Janna was wearing is badass. It's very, very good. Um, and I especially appreciate Poe's, hey, Betty, you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> because, come on, guys, he's, he Poe raided the mummy wardrobe department. And you know what? I'm not mad about it. It's great. It's, I'm happy. It is a look that very much works for me, and I very much appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was that one shot of... Uh him and Finn on like that desert rocky thing. I think it was, that was even like a trailer clip, right? Like that was a very, very good shot. Yeah. I generally speaking though, I think that part of what I really, really loved uh, aside from the experience, of everyone getting to watch the trailer together, which I'll get back to in a second was how we saw. They basically highlighted the new cast on the stage um, and they, it was very cool to see so many people of color up there and being the stars. I was, I, I'm still not used to it. Does that make sense? Like I, I'm not used to seeing so many other faces that actually reflect the world around us and seeing that on the stage, it's, it's the world and it's how star Wars is now. And it's pretty great. And it's nice how they're, like, comfortable in their shoes now. Like, you know, when we first saw them for The Force Awakens, they were brand new. They were still getting used to this now. They're so um, used to the idea of being the leads of Star Wars. And they have this natural banter and charisma and just interplay with each other, even on stage. That that makes me want to hope that we see more of them in the future. I mean, I don't know what the future filmscape is and if what's going to happen after, after episode nine but i i just love that they are the face of star wars right now yeah oh oscar isaac you delightful human being i'm telling you guys if storm pilot ever becomes canon it will be his his doing it will happen for no other reason than oscar isaac willed it into existence i i feel like i've heard some people make cracks about him potentially queer baiting people but that man genuinely wants Poe and Finn to be mm -hmm. together, and he does not care who knows it. And I, I respect that. No, because qu yeah, queer baiting are writers and directors that give winks and nudges, but are ultimately the ones in power to do something about it. Yes. Yeah, and then choose not to. Whereas I think Oscar is definitely one hundred percent in favor. I mean, we saw that that photo uh, smash up that he apparently came up with that John Boyega posted on in his Instagram, right? Oh my God. <laughs> babe, babe, it's our kid. <laughs> that was amazing. So good. Oh my God. I love that. This That's just how Oscar responds. He goes, babe, it's our babe. <laughs> God bless Oscar Isaac. Oh man. Um, if we're talking about episode nine trailer experiences, I was really lucky that I got to watch the trailer with uh, from the Star Wars show stage floor with my friend Laura, who is also half Asian. And I think she and I basically just hugged each other and cried the entirety of Kelly talking and being on the screen. And then when the trailer happened and <laughs> Leia showed up and then there was just gross sobbing from everyone. And it was like, I, I just love those moments where you can experience something, something that you love, not only with other people who love it, but with someone who understands the emotions 
the specific emotions that you're going through with seeing someone like like Rose who looks like you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the the trailer experience, I I, I can't uh, pass without mentioning, even though he's definitely not a person of color, I definitely have to mention the the Emperor's laugh at the end because that was, you know, another magical moment. Nothing to do with representation, but still very, very magical. How much did you die when Ian McDermott walked on stage? So um, I have literally no memory of this. I mean, I I remember seeing him, (laughs) but apparently I was... um, did you in smile? In the process of fainting, and I actually had to be held upright uh, when he walked on stage. Wait, are you serious? Like, that, are you completely what, serious? That's what website told me. He said he was. He had to like hold me up because I was like falling down. <laughs> oh my god! Why are there no? Why is there no video of this? I'm so mad. I know. At the end of it, we were like, we should have done one of those reaction video things, but we had no idea. We had absolutely no idea. Oh my god. <sighs> Ah, you fainted at the emperor. So <laughs> good. <laughs> Having vapors is normal, okay? No, no, it's not. <laughs> Jay, I'm gonna get you a fainting couch. I could use one. They're 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 quite beautiful pieces of furniture. You would want a fainting couch. Of course, I would. Actually, they are pretty comfortable, but that's not the point. Ah, <laughs> well. Speaking of, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Continue. So, uh, speaking of other wonderful moments, uh, do we want to transition over to Star Wars Resistance? Yes. All right. <laughs> Star Wars Resistance, and of course, the main star, Kazuta Ziono, played by Christopher Sean. Um, before we get into Resistance itself, I just want to talk for a bit about how great Christopher Sean is. Uh, Bria and I had a chance to talk with him in person during one of the after-hour social gatherings that just sort of organically happens at Celebration. And I got to tell you, uh, Christopher Sean is extremely friendly and down-to-earth. And just talking with him, you can hear the enthusiasm in his voice about diversity and representation. Yeah, I'd actually uh, very spontaneously decided to go and get an autograph from him earlier that day because he was one of the few... The handful of stars who I definitely wanted a chance to meet because I remember back when they did the initial press for um, for uh, season one, uh, my friend Jonah Marie was there and she said that he made it a very – he definitely made it a point to talk about diversity and how important all of that was to him. So I just wanted to say hi and thank him and all and he, he's really, really nice and he kept giving – he was kind of giving us crap because I mentioned we do the kanji cast and everything. He's like, oh, I'm going to do a shout out for you guys. And then he like jokingly tweeted it. It was like, she's making me do this. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Thank you. Thanks, Christopher. Thank you. Um, but no, he couldn't have been nicer. He and then I happened to see him in the bar and uh, was brought over to be reintroduced to him. And he actually remembered me, which was very flattering, especially because I had gone to talk to him when I was dressed as Afro earlier that day. So I had I didn't really look like myself. So really nice guy. Talked to us for a while. Um, and he absolutely like none of the stars ever have any obligation to speak to you during these things. Like they just want to hang out, too. And yeah, he was more than happy to talk to us for probably I think I talked to him for probably at least 20 minutes. Yeah, he he is a really great guy. And uh, the the amazing thing is it seems like sort of the whole cast and crew are like that. I mean, I didn't have a chance to talk with the other ones, but I was uh, in the room for the resistance panel and the whole cast and crew just have this magnetic personality. And even after, you know, one season of the show, they have such a rapport with each other. I mean, they would they would literally start getting in character and bantering with each other and teasing each other about their characters. And apparently um, when they're doing recording sessions, they would just give each other crap all the time, you know, good nature, but just like playing along because they would do group recording sessions instead of uh, individualized one, which with uh, animation would sometimes do. And uh, I, I just can't help but think that they should definitely release their uh, cast banter as a DVD special feature because I think people would really love it. I'm still so mad I had to miss that panel. <laughs> I really hope they recorded it just because people need to see that panel um, and, and experience that uh, interaction they had. It was yeah. so good, but I 
am frustrated that Resistance didn't get the main Sage love that other stuff did. Yeah. I'm sorry. That should have gotten the spot with uh, the spot that Clone either Clone Wars had or or Galaxy's Edge, really. I, yeah. I would have bumped Rebels. Well, Rebels didn't get the main stage. Rebels yeah. is oh, also that's in right. the, the, the same room. Yeah. Yeah. But it should have it should have been on a Saturday. Yeah, it, um, yeah. it should have gotten the main like you said, the main stage. It should have it should have been one of the Saturday or it should have been one of the main stage openers for one of the days. Um yeah. and like Galaxy's Edge, I get why you want that on the main stage, but you could have easily done that one later in the day. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the that first. could have been like this time slot that Rebels had, basically. Yeah, yeah or not it, Rebels or Clone Wars, whatever. It felt like the first time that a that a new current animation show did not get like front and center treatment because like Clone Wars always got the VIP treatment, so did Rebels, and Resistance is such a great show and it's certainly a worthy successor to the other two. I mean, the people who uh, were in the room are certainly huge fans of the show and have a lot of energy, and I'm just surprised that they're not promoting it as heavily um because you know every show sort of has difficulty in its first season getting an audience but uh you know rebels clone wars both got their audience and i and i hope that resistance does too i just wish that they did more to to promote it yeah and my other frustration was that not only did it not get the main stage treatment it was also on getaway day um Mm -hmm. so it was a real lost opportunity to put this cast in front of a whole bunch more people um just so more people could see them yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and especially see them is a, is a good point because this cast is a extremely diverse cast, and I think unlike previous uh, Star Wars animated shows, including Rebels, um, they put a lot of effort in making sure that the characters you see on screen match the visual diversity and and appearance of the characters that are portraying them. Um, which you know, because you you know you had people like David Oyelowo playing uh, Agent Callus, but Agent Callus was a standard white guy Imperial when he could have easily been a person of color. And I'm glad with Resistance, they're making sure that the characters look and sound like the people who are playing them. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I think it, it does a lot for not just us as adults and getting to see a diversity, but also for the kids who get to see it too. Um, I can't remember if we talked about it here, and I, I don't want to go into spoilers for Resistance uh, for season one, because I think we might talk about that at some point in case anyone hasn't seen it yet. But I think Tam's whole storyline comes off so much better because you have her surrounded by other characters of color and they're all played by actors of color, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. There are a lot of unfortunate overtones that are that are avoided by the fact that everybody in the cast is a person of color um, and the whole dynamic well, the, the humans. Right, right, right. Bobby Moynihan, last time I checked. <laughs> right, and, and and the guy who plays uh, Niku similarly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, although, speaking of uh, sort of faces behind the scenes, another cool thing that Resistance has been doing, um, and we've seen an improvement slowly over time, is that there are also roles for people of color uh, off the screen as well in terms of the writing team, the creative team, you know, Athena Portillo and... Uh, everyone else involved with making the show and it, it's appreciated. It, it's baby steps, but it, it's, it's definitely um, a step in the, the right direction. Yeah. I really wish that they would, they would do videos like uh, rebels recon for resistance, not only because I think it would help highlight the show and get, maybe help bring more eyes to it and maybe encourage more conversation about the show, because it would also put those same faces, the behind the scenes faces on our screens more yeah agreed that's true there have been sort of limited opportunities to do that because we've only gotten those what buckets list videos which are all just like episode snippets and things like that so none of the behind the scenes interviews that we used we used to get for rebels and even clone wars i think too had like weapon like little web clips too yeah exactly yeah um can we or does anyone have any non-spoiler season two hopes, which I guess is also going to be hard if we're trying to avoid talking about season one, just in case folks haven't seen it. I'm so mad you guys saw the episode and I didn't. It was a good episode, Brent. Nah. Uh, I hope they go to Batu. 
Ooh. I hope they meet Zay and Triv. I oh my really God. want that. Yes. Zay and uh, Zay and Kaz have a lot to bond over. Oh boy, yeah, they do. They've, uh, yeah, there will be some feelings. Yeah, and we are going to talk about more resistance at some point. We just don't know when yet. <laughs> yeah, and it would be fair enough that when we actually do our resistance episode, folks will be sort of on notice, um, so they don't, you know, get accidentally spoiled at the time. Yeah. We just have so many other things that we uh, we can talk about, which is great. Yeah. And we, we took a slight break, but also so many things to talk about. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's uh, move on to another uh, main event, uh, The Mandalorian. Um, it, it's sort of funny looking back at The Clone Wars that, uh, you know, we're talking about The Mandalorians on an Asian-focused podcast, considering how uh, monochromatic the mandalorians were in the clone wars but thanks to both uh recent stuff like sabine ran and rebels as well as the older stuff including you know attack of the clones with the fats played by maori we can definitely consider the mandalorian to be at least in part people of color um which i'm very happy about yeah that's that was super awesome um i lost what i was saying i'm sorry no worries (laughs) i got a text message but no, oh, the uh, behind the scenes people, right? Is that where we're going? Yes. With that? Yes. Um, I can never pronounce his name correctly, so forgive me. But I love that Taika Waititi is doing is directing an episode, and I love that Deborah Chow is directing an episode, and it just makes me absurdly happy that they got both of those directors to do this. Not only directing, but they found a way to make me care about I, an IG droid. That itself is the true holiday miracle. Yeah, an IG droid or even, you know, I, I have to admit that I'm I'm not the, the biggest fan of Mandalorians in general, but uh, there was some conversation before the show saying, you know, if Taika gets involved with anything Mandalorian or Fett related, then we'll definitely be on board. And I think uh, that's definitely true for me, um, both his involvement and just the involvement of people in color all over the place, like the, the title character, the Mandalorian himself is Pedro Pascal, who's, you know, not an Asian Pacific, you know, Islander type person, but he's still a person of color. And it's very nice to see uh, main screen Star Wars get diversified and have diversified leads like that. Yeah. Although I'm very curious to see what they're ultimately going to end up doing because uh, we got to see some footage because I was uh, lucky enough to win the lottery for one of the overflow stages. And he never took off his helmet and we never really saw him. I'm worried they're going to have him keep his helmet on the whole time, which kind of helps a little bit nullify the representation front on screen. Yeah, I I, I, I sort of agree with you. Like they, they went through the effort of saying, you know, his name is just the Mandalorian and that mysteriousness goes hand in hand with a character who never takes his helmet off. And if they do that, um, I won't like it. it, it I f- you have this potential, you have this great actor and I, I want to see his face. He's I, also very handsome. Yes. I, I feel like uh I feel like if you're not going to show Pedro Pascal's face, then why did you hire him? Well, I mean, assuming because he's a talented actor. Yes. But uh <laughs> But you no, can get, get so much point. more out of him. Yeah. I think my suspicion is that what they're going to end up doing is they will it'll be the big reveal at the end of the season. His face and his name. Hmm, I can see that. So, like, he's mysterious during the whole uh, first season of the show. And then, you know, once we... Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. Um, and it is helped by the fact of uh, they do have other actors of color in the main cast. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Carl Weathers as a main... as one of the main people and i'm assuming he's fairly main given the fact that they he was one of the three actors they brought with them and then you have um his name is not actually gus frange uh john carlo esposito i believe is his name correct okay listen i freaking bad is really good okay um and it looks like he's playing some sort of imperial trooper and or pilot, which I am 100% here for. And it was everything I, I never knew I needed until it happened. 
I don't think any of us were prepared for that. Had no idea it was coming. We're like, oh, crap. Yes, I'm in on this. Yeah, I think I, I beat the crap out of your arm. Uh, you sure you did. The fighter, and I, I'd say I'm sorry, but I'm not actually that <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking of of, of that scene now in uh, Thor Ragnarok where Loki's like, yes, that's how it feels, because I have been there too. <laughs> okay, listen, <laughs> there were valid reasons for both of those. Fair enough. The uh, other one was Boyogana and Rogue One. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, yeah, I think the show just in general is surprising, and I'm not gonna you know spoil the footage for those who weren't able to see it, and you know those who really want to have found ways to find it but uh it i think the vibe and the feel of this of the show was a lot more earthy and real and uh rogue one-ish in terms of the visual aesthetic which i was really impressed to see in a live action star wars tv show because we didn't know which way they were going to take this at all yeah no the 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 sizzle reel and stuff they showed us um it was it was grimy it was lived in it was gritty um very very interesting uh visual palette it's working with yeah i'm super psyched to see what they do with it um john favreau was actually the director who back when we were all speculating about episode seven was my pick because i loved what he did with iron man and how he was able to translate the franchise you know take the franchise and bring it bring it to modern audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's going to be able to do the same here with the Mandalorian. Um, I would really love to see more women in the main cast, but I love his lineup of directors. So that's helping. And I'm willing to, to wait and see exactly what happens. Cause we really haven't seen that much of it. No. no. And um, I, I, I have a feeling we only know a fraction of who's ultimately in it at this junction. Right. The bit we might have saw might have just even been like a, the pilot or the first arc. But uh, one of the cool things about what John, John Favreau uh, said to describe the sort of vibe he was going for is it wasn't just the gritty fringer stuff, but he wanted to explore what a galaxy looks like after the big war has been fought, after the revolution has been won, and how messy it is uh, putting a galaxy back together, which was one of the things I loved from the old EU. And uh, he name dropped the EU as well. And so if we have similar sort of post Return the Jedi, post Jakku um, drama, I am all here for it. Jay, you were all on board the minute that one guy appeared on the screen. Werner Herzog, yeah. His yes. character, um, again, not to spoil it, but his character is phenomenal. He has some great dialogue that I was really on board with and a really, really fancy costume that I need to find out somehow how to get myself it, it uh, was very jay his character is total jay bait yeah it is finally, and i love i love the sorry go ahead finally star wars is for me too <laughs> jay <laughs> oh man i feel like i had another point i was gonna make oh the music was so good oh my god yes the music was amazing it's by the same composer who did Black Panther, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I loved that. And then the other thing that I really loved about what we saw was how everyone at ILM is just tickled to death about this because they went and they decided to make a model in their garage to shoot it, to shoot the ship. And, and I'm like, you guys are such nerds and I love it. They didn't just do that. They rebuilt a shooting rig so that – similar to ones they would have used in 77 uh, that could mount a modern SLR on it to take these shots. Yeah, so for those of you who uh, aren't familiar with the New Hope behind the scenes of how they made the ship move and, and, and ships move and build the shots, they basically built a track that the camera would go on repeatedly and they'd take different uh, takes of the same ship under different lighting positions and then like composite all the shots together. So that way you'd have a ship with an engine glow flying through space. And they did this literally just because they could just for fun, because why not? Because ILM. Yeah. Those guys can just, I mean, there's, it's not without reason. They have magic literally in their name. Yes. 
Oh man, I'm so excited for that show to start though. I mean, I I'm refusing to go watch the leaked footage again on YouTube just because seeing in that gloriously beautiful high def large screen was amazing. But oh man, the minute they release that trailer officially. Yes. Oh, I'm I'm so psyched for it. And I and I think it might actually end up being the trailer that we saw, at least the sizzle reel that we saw, just because it's so it's like cut perfectly for a trailer to hype you up for the show. So I'm hoping they release that particular thing. The one at the end of the clip, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, because we saw three things. Yeah. We saw what we think they showed, like the the uh, investors call or whatever it's called, uh, the scene, and then the tra- what we think is the trailer. Yeah. All right, awesome. Um, so let's move on to uh, one other uh, or another area that we like talking about, and of course, publishing. Um, so starting off with Marvel, we have a bit of news from the Marvel front. Um, Do you want me to just take this whole section, Jay? Go ahead. It's All <laughs> you, Bria. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know why you guys think I know anything about Marvel. Um, so the big announcement is that Greg Pak and Phil Noto are taking over the main Star Wars series when Kieran Gillen leaves at the end of the current arc. And that's going to happen in July, which I am incredibly psyched because Greg Pak is one of my favorite comic book writers of all time. And also, hey, more Asians writing Star Wars. So get excited for that. And at some point, we are going to talk about the work he's doing on Age of Republic. Not Republic, Age of Rebellion. Um, I hate the names of those series just because I screw them all up all the time. (laughs) But yeah, uh, you guys... Did you guys get any get caught up on on this that particular announcement? See any of the art? I did not see the art. I saw I saw a piece or two of the art, and you know, Phil Noto, I'm here for it. Yeah, it looks like uh, I believe Chewie and three PO are going on a bit of an adventure, and then Han, I think Han and Leia are the other pairing that he's sending on an adventure. So I'm really curious to see what he's going to do with the book. I think he'll probably be on it a little bit longer than Kieran was, but we'll see. It's really exciting. Uh, the other news, and not well, not really news, but uh, Dr. Afra starting a new arc soon. The one, the current one just wrapped up last issue, thankfully with, with far fewer explosions. But apparently Afra gets to be a bit of a mother figure which just seems like a disaster on all fronts oh no oh yes it's gonna be ridiculous and i'm really here for it um and then finally tie fighter started which is the tie-in comic that goes along with alphabet squadron and to steal jay's notes here zingra definitely looks to be drawn to be asian which i absolutely agree with that agree yeah and definitely I also think, and we've been people have been saying this since we first saw the cover of Alphabet Squadron, that Yurika Quell is probably mixed race Asian, and I think I think she is. I think yeah, I think the comic backs that up. Yeah, after actually being able to see her um, in a non-stylized or at least a different format than the cover, I think definitely um, at least part Asian for sure. Yeah, I don't think she's white. Like. Yeah, she has blonde hair, but I don't think she's white. No, and, yeah, she's not white. Yeah, and until someone tells us otherwise, I have decided we're claiming her. Let's do it. Works for me. Boom. This means absolutely nothing outside of the halls of the Kanji cast, but... It's just basically least... who we're able to cover, you know? Yes. And we're excited to be able to cover more characters and not just have a limited list of them. Also, I've already read Alphabet Squadron, and holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, you guys are not ready. Uh, it's on my list to just tear through this weekend now that I'm not scrambling around and recovering from plague. I cannot wait. Um, but to, to get back on TIE Fighter, um, that comic, the first issue, is out, and I highly encourage everyone to read it because it is an awesome comic. It definitely gave me the v- same vibes as the old X-Wing comic, just pure starfighter goodness and it's from the empire side too which we don't get enough of and jody hauser's writing that one which i'm always happy to see her get to number one write more star wars and two, get to write non-adaptations that's true because she started with thrawn but she's she's clearly Uh, no she started with rogue one oh Oh, that's right okay yeah 
This is Not why to... you cover the comics. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but no, it should be it should be really good. And they did some interesting things with the last couple pages. And from talking to her at Awesome Con, I'm very curious to see where this comic goes. It is a what five issue miniseries? Yep. Yes. Yes. I'm also very curious to see whether or not they do tie-in series for the rest of the series or the trilogy. The rest of Alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, did, did was it Celebration where we got it confirmed that Alphabet Squadron's a trilogy? Or was that before, before Celebration? That. I think it was before that. Okay. I think I, maybe New York Comic Con was when they said it. That maybe? sounds. That sounds right. I thought it was after New York Comic Con. All I know is we didn't know initially that right. Alphabet Squadron um, was going to be a trilogy. Hold on. Let me check this real quick because I know. I, I, I remember I remember reading something well after the book was announced saying it was a trilogy and I went, oh, cool. Right, because we first yeah. thought it was just one book and then later on it came out that it, no, 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 it's a trilogy and that's when we get, really got excited because then it's like, oh, it's like X-Wing 2.0 except Alexander Freed and then we know what that means. Uh, yeah. We will be destroyed emotionally by the end. Oh, mm -hmm. you guys have no idea. No idea. Um, <laughs> I think it looks like, so Alphabet Squadron... The book was the first book was announced at New York Comic Con. Oh, and okay. The trilogy came. I, th I think the trilogy came. Oh no! The uh, trilogy announcement was when they uh, announced the Tie Fighter comic. Yes. Okay. That's it. No, no, no! It was with the cover. The cover. Oh yeah, yeah. The cover. It was. Uh, it was one of those releases on the official site after New York Comic Con. Yes, because I I covered the release. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is going to be a trio of books, and we are super excited. Uh, speaking of super excited, uh, let's move on to Disney Lucasfilm Publishing. So um, we don't have anything specifically Asian Pacific American to my recollection, but we do have um, some awesome people of color writing. Uh, Zoraida Cordova is writing the Young Adult Galaxy's Edge tie-in, A Crash of Fate, which gives me some major Lost Stars vibes, and I'm very excited to see where that goes. That's set on Batu. Yeah, I love Zoraida and I love her books, so I'm really excited to see what she gets to do with more Star Wars. We also heard uh, that Justina Ireland had a secret novel, which we just found out a couple days ago is part of the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker series. Um, her book is called Spark of the Resistance, and it's a middle grade novel. And we know it has stormtroopers and it has the Millennium Falcon. And also, you know other characters so disney lucasfilm publishing has rarely done wrong and both zoraida and justine are great authors so i'm looking forward to both of those projects uh del rey announced uh project luminous um a very mysterious project with the authors kevin scott charles soul claudia gray daniel jose older and justina ireland uh again no asian pacific american authors but uh, we can't talk about we can't not talk about this uh, in in the context of Del Rey. But whatever this project is, I hope that it's awesome, and I think we definitely have a good hope of seeing diverse characters. Judging from this pretty diverse slate of authors, yeah, yeah, I'm really curious to see what this is. All we know is they all took a magical field trip out to uh -huh, out to uh, Skywalker Ranch to plan something. We would, uh, at Celebration, one of the things Delray uh, had folks by the booth do is write down their uh, guesses as to what the project was. And, and my guess was Imperial Fashion Magazine, so I think that's definitely what it is. I liked the person who said it was like an assortment of cheeses. If it isn't an assortment of cheeses, I'm going to be very disappointed. I could I just actually live cheese. with that. I could, I, just, I could absolutely live with that. Star Wars, does, we deserve cheese. Come on, man. Absolutely. You know, have have each cheese named after a character or a ship or something. They can they can make it work. <laughs> I, I, I have oh my faith god, <laughs> that 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 will go well. All right. Uh, they also uh, we had a discussion of Galaxy's Edge Black Spire by Delilah Dawson. 
starring Vimeradi, who I, I guess, I don't know if we knew this. I don't remember from our uh, Phasma discussion. I, I think I always pronounced her V, but it's supposed to be pronounced Vi, correct? Yeah, Vi. Yeah, I've yeah. always said Vi. Okay. Um, and uh, when uh, Delilah mentioned during the panel that Cardinal would be in it, there were huge cheers in the room. And of course, we are big fans of Cardinal on this podcast. We had a big discussion on, on him with our Phasma episode. Our He's good, a good soft, soft boy. boy. <laughs> I was the person who was shrieking abnormally loud in the front row when she confirmed for real. Because we thought from the description, it sounded like he was going to be in it. But this was the first time we officially got, yes, there will be more Cardinal. I'm so happy. I hope his, he's wearing some like messy assortment of old armor plates and everything. And it's all beat up. Oh, my God. That poor, that poor guy. Well, no, it's like it's a good way. You know, everything's not all broken, but the chest armor should still be good. Yeah. I'm thinking about this logically, Jay. Leave me okay. alone. <laughs> um, relatedly to Cardinal, uh, Delilah mentioned uh, after Celebration on Twitter that she'd uh, maybe think about after Celebration thinking of seeing her fan casting of Cardinal change to Christopher Sean. Uh, what do we think about that? That's literally my fault. Way to go, Bria. Really? Uh, yeah, so I was, oh my God, I can't say this without sounding like a pompous jerk, but I happened to be in the same area, uh, of the, the bar celebration as Delilah and Christopher Sean walked by and we happened to discuss that I was like, huh, he would be a good Cardinal. (laughs) And I guess maybe (laughs) she agreed with that. So, you know what? I'm going to own that one. You know, nothing wrong with being pompous. I always say. You would. I would. You yeah. definitely would. But no, I mean, obviously, like, he's Kaz and everything, but he would be a good Cardinal. I feel like I feel like Christopher Sean could pull that off. Yeah, I think he definitely has the range. I mean, we're sort of, at least right now, used to seeing him as sort of goofy Kaz, but uh, he does he does some more dramatic roles, too, doesn't he? Yeah, he was uh, in Hawaii Five-0. Um, I think he could also pull off the physicality of Cardinal pretty well since they have to be in pretty good shape. Um, Oh my God. I sound so creepy saying that. Oh my God. I don't mean it like that. I just someone take away my shovel. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Shall we? Uh, So we did discuss alphabet squadron Um, just to recap. uh, Eric Quell might be a, person of color and might be half Asian or mixed race and uh, she's of course leading that book which is a trilogy in fact and it's great to have more uh, women of color main characters in Star Wars yep co-signed and then finally uh, they just announced uh, Journey to the Rise of Skywalker which was uh, still a secret I mean they they announced the existence of the project during Celebration but uh, since they've announced it now um, the big Del Rey novel in that program is Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse. Uh, she's not Asian, but it reinforces her uh, being chosen as author, reinforces how publishing is leading the way in taking creative people from different backgrounds and uh, giving them a chance to be involved in Star Wars. Um, are either of you two uh, familiar with her other work? I have not read her works yet. Uh, I know she's nominated for a Hugo this year for uh, her latest novel, and I know she's won for some short fiction work she's done. Why, yes, I am. You can even read a review of her book, Trail of Lightning, on TashaStation.net. Wow, that's the same website we're hosted on. Imagine that! <laughs> It's a really it was a really good book. I'm excited to dive into the sequel at some point. Um, it was a really cool uh, exploration of urban fantasy, but with a Native American lead. And I really, really dug it. Brian, I think you in particular would really like it. Uh, it's on my list. Uh, but can we just pause and think about how cool it is that uh, that uh Star Wars literature is going out and getting Native American women to write Star Wars books. This is awesome. Yeah. I I didn't think they would actually it would happen and then it did. And it was great because just the week before um 
I think we were on a panel. I was on a panel with E.K. Johnson, and one of the questions we were asked was, what author would you like to see write Star Wars? And her answer literally was Rebecca Roanhorse, and I don't think she had a clue that the announcement was coming. So I was like, this is awesome. I choose to believe that she willed this into existence. I am I know too. that's I'm not how the re- the timeline works out, but I choose to believe it. Listen, if she could will that into existence, then I can believe that Oscar will at some point will Storm Pilot into existence. I hope so. I hope. I was about to say a line about hope, but then that would be really out of character for me. So I'm going to move on because I will not praise the rebellion in any way right now. <laughs> sure. Sure, Jay. Sure. Um, so let's talk about celebration in general. Uh, what did we see? Did it seem more diverse than previous celebrations to us? Did we uh, see costumes of a lot of uh people playing characters of Asian and Pacific Islander backgrounds. Uh, I definitely remember saw, uh, seeing quite a few Kaz costumes. The favorites that come to mind to me is uh, one person had a New Republic flight suit Kaz, uh, which is pretty cool because we only see that you know form in a single episode of the show. And then there was also a Kaz of the Resistance panel who had the character's de- goofiness down like to an art. He was that- on a costume thing they had at the beginning of the panel and he was he was like channeling that character and it was especially cool because he came all the way to japan for uh star wars celebration that was one of my favorite cosplayers of the entire convention yeah i saw the new republic one um who actually i think that's brian that's the the guy you and i were chatting with in the marriott later yes it was yes um which is a really cool it's i love it that's one of the things I love about costuming is you see people take these looks that you only see for a minute or two. And then because Lucasfilm animation is so generous and gives you the turnarounds, you can put these costumes together. Um, it's really neat. I love, I love seeing resistance characters and I especially loved getting to see all the cases and my heart grows several sizes every time I get to specifically, I get to see kids of color costuming as people who look like them. Um, Maybe it's it's wrong that a tiny Asian Sabine makes makes me feel things more than other Sabines. But man, representation, guys, I love it. It's such a good thing. It's so nice, especially for the kids, because they yeah they really feel like they get to be a part of Star Wars. Like their imagination and reality, at least reality of the show, gets to gets to coincide for once, and that's a beautiful thing very what other uh costumes uh did any of you guys see i saw a yeah. bunch of afras Ooh. yeah uh so actually did you see uh uh joy who was on our afra episode she had on the party afra at and she attended the marvel panel no i didn't see that one yeah she looked really great i haven't i think she's the first one to do that dress oh that's awesome yeah I hear there was a, a weirdo Afra hanging around the Delray booth at one point, but she's okay. Yeah, she's all right. Eh, yeah, you know, that girl. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> just so anyone, people didn't think I was calling some person a weirdo. <laughs> just myself. <laughs> um, you guys really going to make me do this? You're going to make me do this. Well, yeah, yes. Of course we're going to make you do this. Oh, you jerks. Yep. Um, I heard there was a pretty cool Iden Versio walking around and her rebel gear and her imperial gear. Wow. Yeah, I, oh. I, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear she kind of looked like the actress even. Just like the character. <laughs> guys, why are you making me do this? Because it's fun. This it amuses fun. me. Oh, I hate you guys. Yeah, no, it was it was very cool for me to walk around as Aiden. Um, not only because I finally got a chance to meet the writers of the Battlefront game, but also because I got to see Janina again, and she actually got to see my kit in person since the first time I met her, I was just me. <laughs> so that was a really cool, neat thing for me. And I loved getting to see a bunch of the other Aiden Versios walking around, especially my fellow women of color. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I love how Aiden, Aiden's being embraced by people. Um, it, it's it's very, 
you know, we like Aiden Versio here on this show. Yeah. One of my favorite things was getting, was people coming up to me and telling me how much they loved Aiden and they loved her story. And uh, then me getting to turn around and be like, have you met Mitch and Walt? And introduce them to the writers. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Um, one other bit related to the diverse costuming we've seen is that uh, the Chicago Tribune actually put out an article uh, during their celebration coverage called Not Only for White Dudes Anymore, the Star Wars Universe Expands. And it's pretty cool to see an article like that from a national newspaper, which is, of course, also local to the convention in Chicago. Um, And they discussed some of the issues of dismissiveness and old fandom and the response by both women and people of color to put together groups that make sure that their voice was heard and that their role in Star Wars fandom was recognized. And it mentioned uh, specifically a, a couple of groups like Pride Squadron, uh, Star Wars Representation Matters, uh, a group called Asians in Space, and also older costuming groups like the 501st and the growing diversity there. Um, it's pretty cool that big established media is, is starting to notice. Uh, do, do you guys think that uh, we're starting to make a difference in making our, our voices heard? I think we're pushing the needle a bit, but more importantly, I think that uh... – I think that we're making it harder for people to not pay attention to us. I think that sounds right. Um, I was really happy that Pride Squadron had a table at the convention. That was really cool. Um, I think actually I, I'm trying to double check this, but I can't Google fast enough. I think Asians in Space was actually founded or it's at least partially run by uh, – Madeline, who was our other Afra um, interviewee when we did the Afra episode. Oh, awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. She's great. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the Chicago Tribune um, article mentioned who the founder was. but I don't remember that offhand, um, but it's pretty cool that if that's her, that she got, she got recognized like that, too. Yeah, she's been doing a lot of awesome work for rep. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that the more you have people talking and then the more the more those of us who have platforms keep talking and keep expanding those platforms, the harder it is to ignore, which is awesome. And we're seeing it reflected within the stories themselves. Like I said before, the majority of the people they brought up to talk about episode nine for the cast, at least, are people of color. Um I'm struggling to remember everyone they brought on stage, but Oscar, John, um, Kelly, Naomi. and then Naomi. Yeah. Uh, that's four. And I mean, I'm trying to think the other people would have been what, Jonas and Daisy? So four to two? Yep. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. And I love seeing a Star Wars that looks like that. Yeah, and I think the response uh, that the, the fans make to that gets noticed. Um one of the things that uh, I was going to mention next was Awesome Con and a panel that uh, Bree and I were on on diversity and representation. And one of the questions we got was how we, um, how people helped move the needle. And in addition to you know voting with your wallet and supporting diverse content, it's also like making your voice heard, not just online but in person, um, being present. These things have a real impact, and creators do notice. Yeah, I mean, anyone who thinks that the people who make Star Wars aren't paying attention to the online conversations is just foolish. They see they see everything, guys. They really do. And they notice they notice the con- not only the conversations, but they notice how the conversations are being had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the tone, you know, you you want to um be able to, you know, argue and advocate for what you believe in, but you know, it's always better to be you know, polite and courteous while still being firm than, uh, you know, putting yourself in a bad light because that definitely gets gets noticed. I think that this celebration, more than any other I'd, I've been to, showed that we're here and we're here in numbers you can't deny. And... If you try to say that... Um, 
there's not that many of us. You're just out of touch with reality. Yep. Yeah, and Star Wars would not want to miss out on the potential sort of energy and fan enthusiasm they, they get by being more diverse and inclusive because people definitely respond well to it when it happens and when it's done well. Yep. Agreed. All right. Do we have uh, anything else we'd like to discuss or shall we move on to my art corner? I, I, awesome con went well. <laughs> oh, that, w- that was uh, part of the awesome con discussion. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Is there anything? No, uh, no okay. that's literally all I have to say about that and that I never, ever want to do two conventions within three weekends and have to run multiple panels over the course of those weekends. Uh, I will plug that we have some awesome con panel audio that is coming. I just need, I just need a day where I, I just need a day where things aren't happening. <laughs> I know how that goes. May the fourth almost killed me. Ugh. But yes, panel audio is coming. Just stay tuned for it. All right. So with that, we shall move on to my art corner, which does have something to do with celebration, since uh, Star Wars Celebration had this beautiful centerpiece mural showing the entire canon saga, um, all of the films, including the episode films, the two Star Wars story films we've had, and Rebels and Clone Wars as well on the uh, on the uh, uh, mural spread, and they had characters from each particular. Uh, a film or TV show on there. Um, unfortunately, um, it looks like there's only four Asian characters on that mural. Half of them were for Rogue One. Um, the half of them are women, which is great numerically, but again, that that's only two. Um, and one of them, Sabine, has her head covered, um, which, you know, if, if you're going to portray uh, the Rebels cast, it would really be great to be able to see Sabine's face on there. Um, they didn't remember Bodhi, um, Again, yep. we always forget Bodhi. I don't know why. I mean, well, I, I kind of suspect why, but you know, that's they not also a good forgot. Why. They also forgot the entire Resistance cast, so there's that. Yep. Yeah, I'm not salty More about resistance. that in the least. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but you know, if we want to look at the silver lining, it does show how far we've come. Like the prequels and the original trilogy, um, even though there were you know some Asian side characters in those. Those films, none of them were on on the poster. At least with Rebels, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi, we're doing a little better. So the mural kind of does a great job in showing both uh, how bad things were and still are, but also how much better they are than you know Zero. Yeah, and it was a the mural's gorgeous. Uh, Pierce Brosnan and Thrawn aside, the mural's really really pretty, and it's very well done. And I'm impressed that they put that together. And it was cool how they did the episode nine reveal. Oh yeah, because what? Yeah, when the uh, if you are not celebration, the episode nine section of it was covered up by like a black tarp or something, and then after the panel and the trailer, they actually flipped it up and we were able to see the full saga altogether. Yeah, it was really cool. All right now for tell that to Conjacast. John asks. What did it feel like to have Asian or Hopper representation on more than one major celebration panel? The Rise of Skywalker and Resistance. That's got to be a first, right? No, it's not. Because they brought Janina out for the Battlefront 2 panel last time, right? Yep. Yes, they did. Yes, so it wasn't the first. But it was still pretty damn cool. (laughs) It was wonderful and surreal all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, my friend Laura and I were just hugging each other and crying during the episode nine. Yeah, and both with uh, Battlefront and Resistance, both of those are you know major Star Wars products with an Asian lead, which is not insignificant. That's actually quite huge. Very. Yeah. So we're happy. We hope it. We keep seeing more of it. Essentially, is I think our mantra. Yeah, our takeaway is, you know, Celebration did a pretty good job with uh, compared to, you know, the past of with uh, Asian American representation, Asian Pacific Islander representation in Star Wars. And we're hoping it's on an upswing. It's a uh, good progress made, but uh, let's not stop there. 
All right. Uh, Bria, do you want to do this last bit or shall I? Sure. Why not? Uh, so thanks, guys, for joining us for the celebration episode. Um, we'll be talking next time about it's going to be fairly close to release date. But again, the episode will always be there for you after you get a chance to read it. But we want to talk about Yerka Quell and Alphabet Squadron because, number one, this is a book that all three of us are really excited for. Two, it has some cool representation. And three, I think until someone tells me otherwise, we're claiming Yerika as mixed race Asian. Yep. Um, why? Because we can. And representation matters. And at the very least, she's mi- she's not completely white. So anyways, that's what we'll be talking about next episode. And don't forget, if you have any questions for us that you want us to answer on a future episode, you can tweet them to us via the Tasha Station account. Or you can ask them to us in our Patreon. Which leads us to Brian. Uh, this episode of the Kanji Cast has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. That's patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Uh, get in for a dollar and you can join our Patreon exclusive Slack channel. And any anything that uh, we get from Patreon, we throw right back into the network. Uh, you guys just bought uh, Book Wars Pod some new equipment, so thank you. Uh, we are part of the Tashi Station Network on Twitter. You can find us with the handles uh, Tashi Station. You can find Bria with Chaos Bria. Jay is Admiral Jello. I'm Lane Winree, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. Uh, you can find us on the Tashi Station uh, mega feed on the iTunes Store, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And you can find our columns and news at TashiStation.net. Thanks for listening to another episode. We'll catch you all next time. <laughs>